0: Atlanta News First investigates, the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Welcome to Behind the Investigation. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe with Atlanta News First Investigates. And I'm joined today by Andy Parati, investigator with Atlanta News First Investigates. And we're looking at a story today that's really tough because we're talking about the death of a child, but we're also talking about justice. We're talking about the kind of evidence that's used and how that's changing, and one man's fate hangs in the balance. Uh, Andy, set up this story before we watch it and listen to it. Yeah, so this story is part of our ongoing series, Flawed Forensics, which takes a look at
1: forensic evidence that has been used in trials for decades that, because of new science, shows that it wasn't exactly as reliable as we first thought. In this case, we're talking about shaken baby syndrome. And for years, for decades, the only link that a child was potentially hurt shaken to death was through blunt force trauma like shaking a child to death maybe a, a car accident or, or a fall well we now know that shaken baby syndrome the same type of injury can be the result of an illness or a biological issue and, and in this case a gentleman named daniel smith has been in prison for more than 21 years he was recently offered to get out of prison immediately but it was a catch he had to admit to killing a son and write a letter admitting guilt, something he says he will not do. Let's take a look.
2: Oh, that was sweet.
1: Latasha well, Pyatt picks up a trail of flowers from her kitchen Another to her bedroom, delivered on behalf of her fiancé, Danielle Smith.
2: Happy eighth year anniversary.
1: Gifts from a man Latasha met online in 2015, who she's now engaged to marry, but has never met outside prison walls.
2: You know, we're a family of faith. I I know we've gotten this far because of our faith in God. A
1: belief Danielle will one day be set free, despite serving life in prison, for killing his newborn son Chandler more than 20 years ago. The state's medical examiner ruled the boy's death a homicide caused by blunt force trauma. Prosecutors told the Gwinnett County jury in 2003 it was a shaken baby case. Danielle was 28 years old and until then had no prior criminal record. Good morning, counsel. You may proceed when... Nearly a year ago, Atlanta News first followed Danielle's attorney, Mark London Brown, to Georgia's Supreme Court. There to request a hearing to introduce new medical evidence he says will prove Danielle's son didn't die from shaking, but from trauma during birth.
3: Today, shaken baby syndrome is a diagnosis of exclusion. Today, it is a diagnosis that never would have been made.
1: Testimony that mirrors our findings in an ongoing series, Flawed Forensics, which identified old science once showed pediatric traumatic brain injuries, could only be explained with blunt force trauma, like car accidents, falls, or violently shaking a child. Today, new science shows those same injuries can also be linked to illnesses and biological issues like seizure disorders. In court, Gwinnett County Assistant District Attorney Christopher Deneve did not think Danielle deserved a new hearing. He's shown nothing to show due diligence in this case. because About three months after the DA argued Danielle should remain behind bars, the same prosecutor makes a surprise offer. After spending 21 years in prison, he could go home immediately. But there was a catch. Only if he pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and wrote an apology letter admitting guilt. Danielle declined. What did Danielle tell you why he wasn't taking this plea deal?
2: He's just always said, baby, I'm not taking this because I, I didn't do anything to hurt my son. I'm not taking this. And one would think me being in this thing with him almost a decade, no, you'll be home. I I didn't blink an eye.
3: This plea offer was a ticket out of jail, a ticket out of prison, a ticket home. And he said, no, I'm not going to admit to doing something I didn't do. I I didn't kill my child.
1: So he knows the risk moving forward that if he doesn't take this plea deal, he could still end up staying in prison. Of course. Sure. Yeah, he knows that. A chance at freedom that hinges on a legal battle for a new trial and potentially banning the district attorney from further prosecuting the case. Later this month, a judge could decide to recuse the DA's office from the case after Danielle's attorney claims prosecutor Deneve inappropriately tried to negotiate a plea deal through Latasha instead of his defense attorney. A prosecutor can't
3: just call up a representative defendant and say, hey, man, you know, what's going on? You can't you can't do that. So to try to circumvent that by going through Mr. Smith's fiance, who's arguably his closest confidant, um, is just as bad.
2: Oh, babe. And I got another bear. (laughs) An
1: unconventional love story with an uncertain future after declining an
2: unprecedented offer
1: to be free.
2: I didn't even pressure him about it at all.
1: Do people still give you a hard time about being in a relationship with a man you haven't physically met outside of a prison?
2: No. I've, you know, it's funny you ask me that because I just bought a new home. So my neighbors are seeing it on TV now. But it's not so hard for me to talk about anymore. That's our life, you know, and it's our fight. And we will prevail.
0: Andy, it's amazing to me that essentially he has a get out of jail free card. He can admit guilt, get out of jail, get out of prison, not have to face these charges. um, And he's refusing to do so because doing so, even to a reduced charge, would be admitting guilt in the death of his own son. It's extraordinarily challenging.
1: When I first heard about it, I first said, are, are, are you kidding me? Who would not want to get out of prison? But according to his fiance and his attorney, he would feel like he was still living in prison, outside prison walls, because he would have to go through and be monitored uh, through the probation um, uh, system for, for a number of years. And just knowing on in writing that he would have to admit to killing his son is just something he simply could not and would not do.
0: Extraordinary. What's the DA's reaction to all of this? You know, so we reached out to the
1: DA's office specifically uh, about the claim that they tried to negotiate a plea deal through Smith's fiance. They claim what they did was completely appropriate. And there is a hearing a week as of this taping. Tomorrow, there will be a hearing where a judge will ultimately decide whether to recuse the DA's office or not. I see. So a different DA could be appointed yeah. if this case is essentially retried. Which would make it very difficult. And uh, I think that's sort of Smith's uh, defense attorney's legal strategy is uh, get a you know, whole DA uh, assigned to the case. They look at it. Um, and and say
0: simply we can't do this because we're not familiar enough with the case. But who knows? As you said at the outset, Andy, this is all about uh, your series or part of your series, flawed forensics, where you have looked at uh, these things that essentially have been acceptable for you know decades in court, things like bite mark evidence and things like that. Uh, what? Why did you pick this particular topic, and why were you drawn to it as an investigator? You know, I read a book
1: re- uh, written by a gentleman named Chris Fabricant. He works for the Innocence Project, and his book was called Junk Science. And he uh, really dove into the history of using uh, science, or at least what we thought was science, in uh, in the criminal court court system Uh, and so he takes a look at shaken baby syndrome he takes a look at um, bite mark evidence and it's just really fascinating how some of this stuff was fast-tracked through uh, the system to for these individuals to be seen these experts in in either shaken baby syndrome or or bite mark evidence they were seen as uh you know witnesses that could be reliable and once you put them in front of a jury and the jury hears it there's no crawling back from that you can't not hear that you can't unring the bell you can't can't put the the toothpaste
0: back in the tube right
1: and so the the book really just made me um think i i want to get into this and and it turns out there are a lot of people in prison um specifically because of this junk science doesn't mean they're necessarily innocent or or guilty it just means that some of the main pieces of evidence that put them in prison, we now know is inherently unreliable. And once,
0: you know, this kind of evidence is accepted in a court, it becomes first impression, which is the legal term for precedent. it it can be used again and again to say, well, this kind of evidence is entered. And for that matter, someone who testifies as an expert on that evidence is certified as an expert by every court thereafter, at least in that circuit, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's it has devastating consequences for individuals, a domino effect, just like you mentioned. And one of the things that this book um, that Chris Fabricant wrote was he pointed out is a lot of the science uh, that we thought was science used in forensics, um, forensic evidence is cannot be tested. Um, And when you can't test something, you can't test the hypothesis of how accurate something is, how accurate an expert is in determining whether something was a bite mark or or not, um, is is not science. And and so um, the federal government took a look at this Um, just earlier this year. They released the statement saying um, bite mark evidence and and other pieces of uh, forensic science is just not um, reliable. They call that pattern um, mm-hmm. for forensic evidence where you can't uh, test. Um, so, it, yes, it's, it's a really fascinating. It's been impacting
0: the criminal justice system for a very long time. And, you know, one thing that strikes me, uh, as of next year, you and I will have been working together, I believe, for 10 years, a decade. And one thing I've noticed in your reporting, a consistent theme is sort of a fight for justice. A lot of times you focus on people really without adjudicating their guilt or innocence, But what you're looking for is a level playing field, the idea that if any of us was accused of a crime, uh, that we would have access to an attorney, that we would, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we would have a fair hearing, that we would have due process, uh, that we wouldn't have experts testifying against us with evidence that is questionable. What is your personal drive to, I mean, is that a fair assessment that the word justice sums up what drives you?
1: Yeah, I think just a fair shot. Everyone deserves a fair shot. It uh, doesn't mean that I believe that you're guilty or innocent, but um, everyone deserves a fair uh, trial. Um, and I think and everyone deserves to be heard. And that's sort of that's my mantra as I move forward with any story is I, I want someone to be heard. Um, and I believe that everyone believe, you know, should have a fair shot.
0: Yeah, I think what we do is we elevate smaller voices, right? So mm-hmm. that the, the government already has the megaphone. We elevate the smaller voices to be even to those who have the power. It doesn't mean we're abdicating for them. What it means is we're advocating for a level playing field yep. for the truth. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Andy Parati, for your reporting and on this particular story as well. If you're watching this right now on a stream, you can get this as a podcast. Behind the Investigation is available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening to the podcast, look for us on Atlanta News First Plus, YouTube, and wherever you watch your streams. For now, I'm Brendan Keefe, Chief Investigator with Atlanta News First Investigates.